Welcome everyone to episode five. It is five of Studio Mate Steve. I nearly forgot what it was called then. Um, today I am joined by the hilarious and fabulous Rick and Parek, who um, uh, has joined me on a, dr- a draw off in Bath this week. Uh, not this week, this year, didn't you, Rick? Yeah, this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you did. Yeah, uh, this week, this this year. Oh, it's yeah. all been a bit of a blur. How's your week been, Rick? Mine's been a nightmare. I'll tell you about it in a minute. How's your week been? Um, it's it's been. Um, gosh, I have to I've just have to take a minute and remember what I've done because I've, I've lost count of what day it is, what month it is, what year it is. Yeah. Um, it's well, Sunday. It's Sunday. It doesn't feel like a Sunday. It feels we like should have recorded this yesterday, but I, um, my um, parents were having a bit of a time, so I had to sort of, yes, be on call a little bit yesterday. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're now recording on Sunday. Sunday, can you believe it's the 20th of November already? It, it's crazy. The year's gone so fast. It's just... It's just yeah. Gone. But have you had a busy week? Um, it's been... Um, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's been quite... I'm, I'm working on three books. Um oh. So I'm, I'm kind of like sp- splitting my time up with what yeah. to do and how to do it and running back and forth doing shopping and um, yeah. the mum. So it's it's been a normal week, but I think it's just it's just because it's three week uh, three books. So yeah. the up and down and just trying to find my um, footing. So yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? It's funny that you mentioned footings. Part of my nightmare week is I don't know what I've done to my right foot, but I've done something to the tendons and my foot. Um, so I'm hobbling around and I'm a bit anxious because I've got a big meeting meeting my new a new author, not the new author, a new author that I'm going to be working with for a while tomorrow for the first time. So I'm worried that I'm going to hobble in and they're going to sort of think, oh no, who am I working with? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing my best, trying not to look like I'm hobbling, hobble. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'm going to wake up and it'll be dramatically better, but I don't think so. And um, my balcony has been leaking into downstairs bedroom. Right. I, I, I thought you were going to say your bowel's been leaking. I was like, whoa. No, my bowel, well, no, that, I mean, you know, the thought, then the bowel. I mean, it's all going to start going wrong, isn't it? So, um, no, fortunately, my balcony, balcony. Um, so I've been getting quotes for balconies oh, no. and some of them are really high and then some of them are really low and you're like, well, why are they high and why are they low and what's going on and who's going to do the best job? Then you've got to try and book them in before Christmas. Um, so, yeah, and then trying to, yeah, working on a couple of books as well and getting ready for meetings and this and everything. So a bit, bit of a number. Anyway, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the end of the moaning. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read your bio, Rick, that you okay. sent in. Also, I'm going to add a, a, a bit extra because I think you were a little... Um, uh, your bio is a little short. I feel like it's, um, it, needed, it needed some umph because you're so oh. brilliant. It needs some umph. So yeah. I'm going to read what you sent in then, add a little bit at the end more about your book. So are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Okay, well, I mean, you know this already, so you can go and have a cup of tea for 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, Rickin, Rickin, studied Foundation Art at Camberwell College of Art and then studied illustration at University of Westminster in Harrow. Yeah. After university, he freelanced as a storyboard artist and creature designer for the yeah. film industry, whilst at the same time working in retail. That's an interesting combination, isn't it? We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Selling books for a national chain at a DVD chain store and then at Love Film. Gosh, remember Love Film? Yeah. Was that the precursor to Netflix, basically? It, it was the... Um, it was, the, wasn't it? The contender, yeah. 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 Uh, Rickon then decided to work as a teaching assistant in primary schools, wanting to know better his target audience and to share the fun that is drawing, reading and creating stories. He also loves Peter and Spider-Man. 
I hope that's okay. This that, isn't part of the bio. Oh no, sorry. No. That, <laughs> that's okay. no, no, I shouldn't have read that. No, no, no. Uh, now also, uh, yeah, you're an avid film buff and your influences range from Jim Henson, Sir Quentin Blake, Colin West, Val Biro. I haven't heard of that. Is it Biro or Biro? It's Hungarian, so it's Biro. Biro. But Val Biro. Yeah. I thought it might be Judith Carr, Kandinsky, Jimi Hendrix, and yeah. the great Chief Inspector Jacques Clouseau. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about all this, yeah. Is that Inspector Clouseau from the Pink Panther films? It is, yeah. It is. Wow. It is yeah. Blimey. Uh, your clients include Hachette, David Fickling, Books, Pigs in the Press, and Bloomsbury, to name but a few. So, welcome to the show, Rickin. Thank you, gracias. That was the longest intro ever. I feel like I've been saying hello to you for the last seven minutes. <laughs> so, we've talked a little bit about how your week's been so far, but can you tell us about where you live and where you work? Basically, it's time for your... Description. Okay, um, so I, I I live in glamorous Wembley in northwest mm -hmm. London. Mm -hmm. um, I've been living here since um, I think since nine, uh, since uh, eighty eighty something eighty two eighty three when my Ooh, okay came. long time long time long time yeah yeah um, so um, yeah I've always lived here um, this is like the only place that I know off the back like the back of my hand yeah um, if I go venturing into any other boroughs of London I get lost and even <laughs> if I have a uh, Google Maps or a TomTom, -tom, like one time I was with mum in a car in Wembley and we had a TomTom -tom and I got lost. Mum couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, so do you hang out, do you go to, this is me, but I mean, I've been to Wembley a few yeah. times, but mainly obviously go to the stadium or something. But so do you, um, do you get affected by the parking at Wembley stadiums? Um, we do, yeah. We, we're just like, where, where Wembley Central Station is, we're like okay, yeah, from there. Um, and our road gets jam packed because there's a there's an Indian club on the corner as well. Right. If that's on, um, then you have a football crowd on, um, and there's a there's, there's like a, a small restaurant on our parade of um, houses. Yeah. And they they used to do things before lockdown with the football and stuff. Um, right. All these things have started to you know get busier. Yeah. Um, but they you know parking gets quite crazy, and we've had people. Knocking on our door saying, "Can you can we park in your driveway and stuff?" And do you charge me. them? No, we're, we're we're too kind. I'm too kind. I, I I say no. You know, if 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 it's an emergency, then they can park. But usually, we say, you know, no, "Not really, park, not, not ideal, is it?" So so you obviously do you work from home? Have you got a studio? What's your what's your studio? Your bedroom or or where do you work? Living room? Where is it? Yeah, so um, I don't have a studio. Um, I have a bedroom. Um, and um, it was actually my sister's bedroom before she uh -huh. got married. And she had like a, um, on, uh, a fitted cupboard and a small desk made. Yeah. Um, so I've commandeered that desk, which is maybe about, let me get my ruler, um, about... Did it just fall down? What was that? Uh, no, no, it's, it's like built into the wall. Um, so it's about, uh, about two, two feet by about one, two, three, four, five feet long wide have you got a tape have you got just got a tape measure out i can feel i can I've, tape got measure I've got my steel rule here i'm, I'm uh, sat my oh, a steel rule <laughs> so um yeah I, I tend to work from here it's, it's not that big um and i've got no. like hi-fi wedged in the corner yeah uh, 
because I listen to music and I've got a bass box as well. So it's um, amazing. Pretty basic. So do you listen to music a lot when you're working? Is that what you're, the main thing that you do when you're working? Listen to, not do you listen to podcasts or anything else? Was it mainly? Um, I listen to one podcast by the, this guy called Stephen Lenton. Oh, I hear it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I tend to listen to um, mostly like Jimi Hendrix and psychedelic. Wow. In the 60s and... Um, does that come from your does that come from your parents then because obviously you're you were born in the early 80s yeah um no, i think it's i think it's because um i, I discovered hendrix while i was at while i was at, uh, at university oh, okay. um, so it's been like a painting thing um and i and i discovered i could when i listen to music i see colors right um uh, it's called synthesia it's it. Yes, yes, I know a little, tiny bit about that. So have you yeah. have you sort of have you um, looked into that and found out more about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ever since I was smaller, ever uh, when I um, listen to music, when I hear music, I would see colours. Or it's, it's like when you drop some watercolour in some water, yeah, and you see these bombs of colour exploding, and um, it, it was really weird. And at uni, I, I thought, you know, let me listen to Jimi Hendrix or something I've never listened to before. Um, and yeah. uh, research and I, I was painting on um, LPs or so doing screen prints on LPs. Yeah. Um, which was quite laborious because every time I'd listen to a track, I'd yeah. have to do a painting quickly. Then I'd, I'd have to wash everything out. Um, then I'd, I'd have to wait like an hour or so for the screen to dry. I was like, oh, right. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I, I can see like my, my, my months of the year go from like diagonal to straight in my head and the days of the week are similar to that. So it's, it's really weird. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And is that something that you, um, you know, not, not necessarily diagnosed, but is that mm. something that you know for sure you've, you've sort of, you are experiencing and have experienced all your life. Was that from like a really young age? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, once you, realize you've got something like that and yeah. I was research, I was like yeah that's what I have and I found out most creative people have this yeah um, yeah which which explains um like Kandinsky had it as well that's why his paintings are as they are because he would listen to music yes and see, of course um, yeah that's um, why he's one of your big influences god that's so interesting I hadn't we've talked a bit before but um I had I had no idea of this so does this obviously it has an influence on your picture book work um, I, 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 I it, it did because I was just like coloring everything, you know, um, yeah. pre having an agent and pre learning about Adobe coloring, color chart and everything. Yeah. Um, my, most of my other uh, early stuff, I was just, you know, just listening to music and I was just like coloring in really weird colors everywhere. And there was no complimentary feelings in the composition or anything like that. Okay. I've had to like tone it down a little bit and, you know, just right. rein it in, um, yeah, it, it it can be quite fun, but it can be quite annoying because you're you want to taste the colours. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Wow. It's yeah. It sounds really full on. So like extra extra senses that you're dealing yeah. with um, all the time. So you've you've kind of learned how to manage them. They were never like problematic, but you've learned how to manage them. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And when I hear voices and people talking, this is really. I, I can see it like a typewriter in my head. Gosh. And sounds are in like like layers. Does yeah. that make sense? So you have like a background sound, you have like a sound of something, you know, cracking on the floor, whatever. And yeah. yeah. Oh, don't please don't say cracking on the floor. It's my balcony again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So 
Um, that's so interesting because we we've 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 met a few times. Do you remember when we were involved in the Tom Fletcher book club with W. H. Smith? Yes, I do. Yeah, and we had like a whole day at um, was it a school or a library? It was like a big oh. building, wasn't it? I think it was a secondary school. Secondary school, wasn't it? It was a very fancy secondary school. And um, we were all there, but we didn't really know each other very well. Like um, Claire Powell was there and Joe yeah. Simmons was there. Now, people and you were there. People yeah. that now, if we were in a room together, we'd all have a chinwag and have a, have a silly time and a bit of a gossip. But at the time, yeah. it, it felt like we were all sort of individually there with our agents or people looking after us from the um, publishers. And so it was a little bit separate. Yeah. Um, yes, funny, funny times. It's nice to be involved with that. I think it's finished now, hasn't it? The the book club. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I I, I see Tom Fletcher doing his thing now and again on. Yes. Yeah, and obviously all his all his brilliant books coming out all the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think his book club's oh, really gone down the pan. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, we did a draw off at the Bath Festival this year, which yeah. I think went really well. That was really um, anxiety inducing, wasn't it? I felt. Yeah, it was um, it was quite scary. I thought at first, but you, you and Stephen just you know planned everything and handled everything so perfectly. I mean, I I, I really didn't have to do anything. You know, you guys had this. The other Stephen had you know the questions jotted down. Yeah, and it, yeah. I think he's just... good. Well, I think when you when you're doing draws, I've I haven't done them with just one other person before, so I was a bit nervous. Mm -hmm. I think when there's like three, four, or five of you, um, there's enough oh. of you to sort of, um, you know, if one of you does a bad drawing, it doesn't really matter because there's four other brilliant drawings. But then <laughs> when there's just two of you, um, it can be yeah a bit nerve wracking. But oh. you, I think you always have to have a compare or someone in charge. And yeah, Stephen Butler was very good because he's he's done it before. You can kind of tell, can't you? Yeah. Um, a chair as well. Yes, yeah, and because um, I've done them before near a Brighton and Nick Sharrett, um, mm. the author and illustrator, he's brilliant because he he draws, but he also takes charge. So yeah. um, sometimes those events can sort of fall into disarray and and uh, just end up kids shouting things out, which is kind of the point because they were shouting out what um, Chewbacca in a fridge with a crossbow and pizza or something. Yeah, there. the weird things, yeah, but really fun to draw and. Mm. Um, now I think my well my current favourite because it's your most recent but I really love Yes You Can Cow yes yeah. uh, by, written by Rashmi of course yeah. um, and um, what are you working on just now is there any more in the Fly Tiger Fly kind of series oh, good good question um, <laughs> it, it, so when, when I when, when I when I got with my agent Claire Claire yeah. Collier, who's just totally out of this world. Um, yeah. We, I hope I can say this. Um, oh, yeah. uh, we, we, we signed like a two book deal. So, okay. So yeah. Hatchet had took Fly Tiger Fly for one book. Yeah. So there, is, there is still another book that should be done. Um, so, that's in the more, pipeline. We'll say that's in the pipeline. In the pipeline. Yeah. So, um, but I've, I've, yeah, I, I, I don't know because because I'd done it so long ago. Yeah. I don't know if I want to. Part of me wants to uh, revisit uh, Riku and the Fly Tiger Fly World. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I have all these other new ideas, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, you can maybe swap. The, yeah, if there's an idea for another one of the of the Tiger yeah. books. You exactly. could swap it for for another idea, I guess, couldn't you? Because it's tricky when you sign um, this sort of 
tips and tricks when you're signing deals. I always thought, and it can be, obviously, don't get me wrong, it can be a really good idea to sign a, a, a big deal that's, as you know, six, you know, five, six books or something, or, you know, three up. Um, but I would, yeah, I think signing a two-book deal is really good because they normally, well... Not necessarily, but normally they come out within quick succession of each other, you know, within two or three years of each other. Um, But if you do sign a long deal, say if the first or the second of your books does incredibly well, but you've signed a specific deal for a specific amount of money, um, whereas if you have a mega hit, it's like, oh, no, I've got to do five more books and I only got X amount of money per book. But this is a mega hit and it's sold internationally. And if I'd done it um, step by step or two books by two books or one book by one book... It, your 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 payments might have gone up and your royalties might have gone up in increments, mightn't it? So you have to be yeah. careful with big contracts, I think. Yeah, and like if you if you leave a book, I I think after a certain time, your 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 audience will have grown up. Yeah, uh, which is another thing to think about. So yeah, and then you might have to have a relaunch or something. Because how many have you are all the Iguana Boys done now? Is that series completely finished for now? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been like you know pestering james james bishop you know james that bishop, we, yeah. we need to do another one or we need to have like a iguana boy movie or you know something we need to do that <laughs> um, but I, I i think i think that's yeah it's done and you know who knows i mean hopefully we can have another one but that yeah. was just a, a, a dream project to work on that was just it was ah it was just moi. so funny so good i can see why they were so popular and did so well and they're yeah. sort of everywhere and still do actually it's it's a mm. brilliant series james is such a good writer yeah. and um i love fearless fairy tales as well can you tell can you tell us a bit more about how that works because um that was written with connie huck and oh i've forgotten the chap's james. name okay that's right yeah um how was it working with them did you did you speak to them much or did they just did the publisher just hand you the text and you illustrated it or did you meet connie and um so uh, i think it was just before i think it was a year just before lockdown Lockdown, yeah um and i went down to bonnier books and i met um the publisher and the designers and everyone yeah Um, and i don't no, James and Connie weren't there. I think they were busy, but um, we we chatted ch- chatted through emails and stuff, and we done um, we did eventually meet. I met Connie at one of her book launches. Oh, brilliant! Um, and we were constantly on um, emails and everything like that. And that was a that was a huge project. I think there was over a hundred illustrations. Yeah, it's a thick book, isn't it? Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. and I was like, um, you know, do I want to do ink because I do everything you know traditionally? Um, yes. So I was like, um, maybe I want to give it a, a different um, uh, way of working. So I done everything with color pencils and um, watercolors. Yeah. Because um, I thought, do I want to do a hundred plus ink drawings? And what if I move one up? And it was, like, oh, you know. Um, but I, I think I made the you know really good decision using color pencils, and it, it added to yeah. the, um, the the fairy tale vibe. Definitely, yeah. Good choice. That was really fun. It was a good experience to do so many um, illustrations um, and, you know, um, different stories and different um, types of characters to work with. So, yeah, that was was fun. Brilliant. I feel like, yeah, it sort of pushed you in a different direction, which I think is a really healthy thing to have, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. It's, 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 It's like, you know, drawing something you haven't drawn before so you're always a bit apprehensive and thinking, mm, you know, will it work? Or, you know, I haven't drawn, like, humans that much before. No. Uh, because humans always been, like, a, um, a tough thing to draw for me. Um, it's always been, like, animals or creatures or monsters. 
Um, I, I think I agree. I'm still not happy with any... I've drawn quite a few human characters now, but I'm not happy with any of them, really. Um, maybe Cruella, because I took loads of time to make sure I got her right. But, um, yeah, it's difficult because there are so many... Especially when you're doing fiction, and uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot of sort of schoolboys, schoolgirls, you know, headmaster, headmistress, and there are so many of them already. You just think, well, how am I going to make mine look different to everyone else's? And you don't want to go too stylized because then yeah. they're, they're not recognisable as humans. Um, yeah. And then you don't want to make them look too realistic because then it's too old and a bit boring. So sort of, yeah, mine are sort of somewhere in the middle that I'm not, I'm not happy with yet at all. So still hoping to develop human characters. So and I, animals are sort of not easier to draw, but they're, they're, they're easy to sort of caricature and make cartoon yeah. and put them in different poses and styles, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think it's because when we were children, that's what we, that's, that's probably the, one, the first things we started to draw, animals, mm. you know, mm. bears, uh, monsters, rabbits, whatever. And yeah. um, if we did draw humans, it would be drawing ourselves, doing, you know, art or whatever. And, you know, that's probably the first thing you draw yourself. Um, yeah. yeah. Humans have always, always been tricky, but um, it, it, I think it's a good thing as a artist or illustrator or painter whatever to you know venture out into new pastures and experiments definitely um, so speaking of which how did you develop your style from art college and everything and how have you decided because you're the first person i've spoken to on the podcast who is purely um traditional i mean tor, tor freeman is very traditional well, so everyone is to begin with and then everyone um jumps into photoshop towards the end um yeah of their process but how, how did you um decide and choose your way of working um so i think it, it all started because I, I always wanted to be a comic book artist first um yeah. at primary school and um a levels um then when i done foundation it was still comic book stuff doing inking so i was always exposed to that kind of art um so yeah. i was always buying comic books um, then at university, I, I was doing comic books again, but then my tutor said, look at films, because I was very into films and introduced me to storyboards. And I got introduced to um, lots of Copic markers, you know, the old thing, storyboards and concept sketches. Um, then I found people like Quentin Blake um, using dip pens and everything. Um, then I did kind of like touch on digital Wacom stuff. Um, after uni, I think it was when I was trying to get into doing creature design and concept stuff for film design, uh, film work. Yeah, um, but I just couldn't get it. I, I, was, I, I, I just couldn't find the, the the connection between having my arm on the right hand side on the pad with a yeah. thing and looking one way and drawing and it's all weird, the more, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and I bought like a Wacom pad and. and I was like, oh gosh, what do I do with it? So I just gave it to someone at um, uh, one of the schools I ended up working in years later. Um, I've never been able to do digital stuff. It just doesn't work with me. Um, and uh, I think it's because um, I just I just like being active with a paintbrush and ink and you know yeah. doing traditional stuff. It's it's yeah it's. Weirdly, um, I have been asked um, to try digital again. Right. Um, I might give it a go, but I don't think I, could, I, I, I can, you know, go with it. It just... So when I'm you not... say you've been asked to, um, obviously don't name names, but is that like a, a publisher or your agent suggested it or an art director who suggested that you dip into that? So it's, someone, it's someone. It's <laughs> someone. 
<laughs> someone, you know, someone in in that you know area of working um, yeah. just to go again. Um, but um, I don't think I could, to be honest. It's just no layers and you know, rushes, and I, had, I I couldn't cope with it. I don't. Know I think I understand what you mean because there's a real disconnect. Yeah. tablets and then the screen that you're staring at and i found i used to get rsi and it's because i realized that i was gripping onto my wacom pen so tightly because i felt like i needed to, to for it to relate to the screen somehow but yeah. now i use an ipad and a cintiq because yeah. it's actually putting the the pen or the pencil onto the screen that's relieved my rsi definitely because it, it just feels more flowy but it still feels you know electronic -y, so i completely understand why because of your background and everything why yeah. you would want to keep traditional because it does feel slightly limited but i do recommend an ipad um because it is sort of best of both worlds really it, yeah. it feels more natural and there are some brilliant artists like um helen stevens who were always traditional and come from a fine art background and you might think that they would never touch an ipad mm -hmm. um but they are starting to um to catch on but i mean they're expensive that's the th they're expensive aren't they though Gosh, yeah, yeah, some of the the prices are just like quite crazy. But... Yeah, and if you break, like I've broken a couple. I know. And then you know, not not insured properly because they weren't covered and and all that. So it's yeah, it's it's very expensive. Although then, buying materials and watercolor and and everything, it yeah. can be expensive. But you don't have that sudden big outlay of you know yeah. thousands of pounds, do you? For no. It's more no. manageable. No. And, and, and so do you have like specific nibs, ink? Can you give us some give some traditional yeah. illustration? top tips on how you choose the like yeah inks and materials tell us about those yeah, so um i i i use um winsor newton um black indian ink for yeah, the classic classic yeah the, the classic um and I've, I've i've tried a black magic ink which Ooh. i believe quinton blake uses oh i haven't heard that one yeah it's it's, it's so it's it's a it's, it's a very small ink um pot um and it, it looks um it, it, it doesn't look like the classic Winsor Newton, you know, um, uh, square. Okay. Um, and um, ink is a bit more thicker and mm -hmm. a bit more denser feeling. Um, so I, I, I try that sometimes when I, when I can. But usually it's uh, Winsor Newton uh, Indian ink. Um, then a variety of nibs, dip pen nibs. Um, yeah. But recently, I think since last year, I've I've moved away from nibs um, and I've gone back to kind of like comic book style work. I'm using a brush. Ah wow! Do you know what? Yeah. I'm always amazed. To see Chris Rudell do his brush work. I just, I, I stare in awe because I'm like I could not make a brush do what I wanted it to do like that. I just couldn't couldn't do it. So I, I I'm always in awe of people that can use brushes to to create line art. It, it, it's crazy. It's, it, it, it can take some time to work, but um, yeah. I'm a um, Winsor Newton number two or number three. Okay. Um, it's quite fine, um, but you have to get used to. Um, uh, so when you dip the, the 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 brush in the ink, you have to clean it off. Then you have to you have to kind of like roll it on the on like a scrap piece of paper to get like a fine yeah um, point. Yeah. Um, you have to be careful how, how you turn your brush when you're drawing because sometimes if you turn it the wrong way, you yeah. can get like a thick line when you don't, don't want a thick line. And um, so um, I, I've been doing that thing since um, the Alpaca's book with Emma Perry. So yeah, my, yeah. Um, and, and with Fly Tiger Fly, I use brushes as well. Um, okay. I think it's 
the, the current picture book I'm working on right now, I'm, I'm using brushes, solely brushes, and okay. using um, a dip pen for like any cross shape, cross hatching or any detailed um, line work that I need to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I use those and uh, I use rotoring pens for drawing the dots, the, the, the eye dots. Um, okay. The irises, they call irises or pupils. I always forget. Pupil, I think pupils. Pupils. Oh, Although if yeah. it's just if it's just a black dot, I guess it could be either because it's sort of doing both jobs at once, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I use rotary pens and uh, pencil fountain uh, uh, brush pen, which is really right. yeah, They're about twenty quid. But yeah. again, and um, you can get really nice line work. Um, and um, yeah, I use. Dr. Martin's uh, bomb. You use, no. you use shoes. You use shoes. Shoes? You use Dr. Martin's in your art. Oh, I can't yeah. see any. Sorry. Dr. P.H. Martin. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I can't. Yeah, I'm looking through your folio and I can't see any big boot marks on any yeah. of your pages. <laughs> Dr. P.H. Martin's concentrated watercolors. Right. Um, so those I, I, either. Gosh. Uh, Chris Riddell uses those as well. Um, okay. So there are like two, uh, three kinds. There's the non-waterproof version, mm -hmm. which are the ones that are got like a cylindrical type dipper uh, bottle. Yeah. Then there's ones that are a, a wee bit uh, bigger and they're um, waterproof. Um, uh, so I use those and um, some acrylic paints, just water down a wee bit. Um, because if you use the non-water um, waterproof um, uh, yeah. water inks, they bleed ridiculously they do. bad. They do Terri um, terribly. Do you have any terrible splodge moments? And and what do you do? Do you do you tip X? Do you put paper over? Do you start again? What's your um, oh heck? I've just splodged technique. Um, or do you I'm not big, splodge? I, I do splodge. So <laughs> um, I splodged. I splodged a few days ago. Quite. Oh, quite. congratulations. Thank you. It, it was a small splodge. It wasn't that, you know, um, big. Um, luckily, I was able to clean it off with um, some uh, uh, whiteout paint. Okay. Uh, but you, when I first started illustrating um, after uh, doing storyboards and creatures, um, uh, I would have to just throw away the piece of paper and start again. Yeah, yeah. Was that crazy? Um, I used to work for. Um... It was linked to Spitting Image, but it was an animated version. It was the same team of writers, pretty much, and it was called TV. Yeah, it was, and I was in charge of tracing and some of the design, but mainly tracing the outline, the pencil outlines of the character designer. Now, yep. I can't remember his name. I think his name was Pablo. I think it was Pablo. Um, and my first day there, I got a migraine, so I couldn't do much. And then when I sat back at my desk, once my migraine had gone, this was on the first day, um, I spilled a massive bottle of Windsor and Newton black ink because it, uh, it was all dip pen and ink. Yeah. Um, nowadays, I'm sure it would be all digital if they did it yeah. again. Um, so my first day at 2D TV was an absolute dissolve. Craig Revel Horwood would say. Um, so that's my my splodge story. And um, so you're you're very good. You've worked out um, uh, yeah how to how to deal with mishaps and things when it comes to traditional media. Now you keep mentioning when you were designing creatures and things for TV and film. Can you tell us about that? Because it sounds mega exciting. Yeah. So um, after while, while I was at uni, um, moving away from comic book work, my 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 tutor, um, yeah, uh, a guy called Mike Litherland. 
Um, he, he showed me some uh, Star Wars storyboards. Um, and he, he, yeah, and, and he showed me um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, he gave me a copy of the book and said, this would be a good um, story to storyboard. Yeah, like, oh, good idea. Uh, yeah, I was like, I, I had to look at it. I was like, oh, it's a bit too thick, you know. And I, I had a script for um, um, uh, Alien vs. Predator um, that I found yeah. online. So I was going to do that for my final project. Um, then I found out a few years later on that uh, Peter Jackson had done Lord of the Rings. And I, I was yeah. you know, like, oh, man, I could have storyboarded that. And then sent, it. Yeah, send it out to art directors and, you know. Um, but, yeah, after, after uni finished, you know, like how we – we all do. We find out that you know, no, we're, we're in the we're in the world. You know, we have to find a job. Yeah, panic. Yeah, it was awful feeling. Oh, it was it's like, a weird, isn't it? A weird time in between uni and getting your first job. It's a really, really limboy. What am yeah. I doing? Um, what have I done? Situation, and then it just sort yeah. of leads to something somehow. So, sorry, carry on. No, yeah, no, no. It was, uh, it was um, yeah. So I was, I was on the dole after uni. Um, yeah, which. <laughs> Which was quite. It was interesting, and you know, um, it was really quite good because the person I had, yeah. he said, "Okay, Rickin, um, I'm I'm gonna, you know, make sure you don't go to any any training or whatever as long as possible. You just continue doing your drawing and you know, trying to find out." And that was good of them. So, yeah, so I was like that for like a year or so, um, and um, I, uh, so I had like a storyboard um, portfolio already done, and I was just phoning up art directors, you know, production designers. Um, so I was getting some small um, uh, jobs doing um, pitch storyboards. So right. I'd work with directors and they said, okay, we have this idea um, or, to or to design a monster or a creature. Um, yeah. Then, you know, they'll take those those storyboards to the producers or for funding. Um so I, I managed to get a few of those kind of gigs, then I managed to get some work doing um, uh, s uh, s small scale models for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at Pinewood Studios. Oh wow, the new, the Tim Burton remake. Of yeah, it. yeah. Oh gosh. But but prior to that, because I, because I was missing uni so much, I was like, you know, I really want to go back to you know in that studio environment of being at uni and you know working with people and yeah yeah. After uni, I was like, oh, man, this is just so crap, you know? It was like, oh. So uh, I got a, a place on a film art directing course at Pinewood Studios run by um, Terry Acklin Snow, who... Amazing. Who was, um, yeah, was, he was the production design on um, Aliens, um, one of the Muppet movies, uh, James right. Bond movie. Yeah. Um, he, he'd done the Batman movie. He worked on the Batmobile. Gosh. So, um, yeah, so I, I asked Terry, can I bring my portfolio in and, you know, could you have a look at it and hopefully, you know, refer me to someone for work? And then he sent me to yeah. the Thunderbirds. Were, they had a production office there as well, the new Thunderbirds cartoon series. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I met one of the art directors there. Um, then I got a gig doing some work experience on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um then afterwards, um, when that finished, um, I was just, you know, doing freelance, um, working on small movies, going to places like Mandy.com. Um, yeah. Looking for, you know, uh, small paid gigs doing storyboards or monster creature designs, wherever I could find. Yeah. Um, then at the same time, I was working in retail um, because, you know, you, you can't survive. No. When, 
looking for work when there's no work. What kind of what kind of retail were you at? Was it was it my um my brother Matthew used to be an area manager of Burton Man. Bit about how retail can be. <laughs> yeah, it was um. So I, I was I was working at first. I was working at Primarni. Oh um, yes, lovely. Yes. Yeah, two pounds sixty five an hour. Um, what year? What time was it? When? Because when were you at? Um, yeah, when were you at? Un, at um, I know you said Universal Studios. When did you go to Universal Studios? When were you at Pinewood? Uh, so Pinewood was. Um, I think it was t- after I graduated. So that was two thousand and four or five. I That's think. so weird because I used to work at Pinewood and what? I was there for a year working for Ragdoll and I was there like two thousand and one. I think isn't that weird? So we were we were just a, a few a few years apart um so how did you juggle how on earth did you juggle doing all this and trying to find work and working in retail at the same time it was um it was possible it it was a little bit because i was working i wasn't working full-time in retail because i was still home so that was really you know that was a godsend um so i was working maybe three or four days if i could could find somewhere so what i do I, I, in the morning i would um from nine to about 11 11 30 i would get my um um it was something called k's art direct art department diary um which right. was in the film and animation i think they probably have it now it was like a big um, diary that had all the details and of all the production designers art directors storyboard artists what have you um so i'd be ringing them in the morning but you know bothering them saying can i send you my samples and stuff yeah. and sometimes they'll be saying oh you know just you know, go away you know it was quite... <laughs> um then um yeah so i do that during the day and afterwards if i had to go to work um so i remember i was working at books etc right uh, oh gosh yes i remember books etc um so i was working there in uxbridge which was quite good because I was working in an, an area in Uxbridge, in, in the town centre, but Uxbridge was close to Pinewood. And yes, to- yeah. Because I used to be, I, I used to live in Uxbridge when I worked at Ragdoll, and there was a little minibus type thing that used to take people. I think you had to get there at like 7.30, and they, they, they would trundle you off to Pinewood Studios every morning. It would only go once in the morning, and if you missed it, that was it. You had to pay for, for a taxi, I think. There weren't great yeah. bus um, connections to Pinewood. No, no, it was really, yeah, I remember I was living at my cousin's house because our house was being redone, so he right. he, drove, he he took me on the in in my car, he said, this is how we get to Pinewood, so we're on the A40, let's get yeah. off at Denham, then I was just going by car every day, um, but yeah, I was working in Oxbridge, and, you know, the, you, you would have lots of film folk come in as well, so yes. I used that as an, because I was, I was trying to look at a bigger picture, saying, if I'm in Oxbridge, and there's, you know, Pinewood Studios around the corner, yeah. trying to that people who work in the film industry will be coming into Uxbridge. So definitely you know, every moment I would like try to look at someone and say, do they look like a, you know, they, they were at Pinewood. And I'd try to, you know, make conversations and drop my card wherever I could. And I remember what I was, when, when I finished working at Books, etc. I was working at a DVD, a DVD store called Silver Screen, Silver Screen DVD. Right. Uh, it, it's gone bust now. Um, but um, that was they had like DVD back catalogs or like you know every studio. And um, once um, one of the uh, art directors um, of one of the Bond films came in, he and his wife, and he bought a DVD and I looked at his card. I was like, "Are you X Y Z?" He said, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, hello, you know, I'm a storyboard artist, you know, whatever." Oh, wow. Then um, I think he got a bit scared because he ran off, but he left his card. <laughs> 
<laughs> so okay. the facing him and I was like, excuse me, and he turned around and he and his wife looked really scared. <laughs> God. Um, I remember yeah. when we were, um, I, I was late to Harry Potter, um, mm. and I'm glad I finished reading it now, um, but uh, there was, um, Hag they built Hagrid Hut behind where we were working, so everyone was like, let's go yeah. and see Hagrid's Hut, and I was like, I'm not bothered, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about, I hadn't read Harry Potter yeah. yet, but then there was a big hoo-ha, because they were filming Eyes Wide Shut with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, and they'd hired a big house just down the road, so we were always hoping to see Nicole or Tom, but yeah. we never we never did. We saw some of the James Bond because obviously they do lots of James Bondy bits yeah. there. Um, and yeah, my main memory of Pinewood was the canteen because there was this amazing oh. woman there that worked behind the till, yeah. and it didn't matter who you were and and what you got. She she'd look at your plate and to everyone she she'd go, okay, right now what have we got? And she'd turn <laughs> to everyone, what have we got, what have we got. And then she took out beans, yak mash, and she was brilliant. I wish I'd found her. She looked a bit like Judith Chalmers, but um... I, 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 I may have seen her because I, when I was at, yeah. I went to the canteen and um, I was standing next to um, Deep Roy, the Oompa Loompa. Oh, blind! Yeah, brilliant. Was so that just I, the one of him though? Just the one of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I looked down and I saw him. Then I went when I went, when I had my tray. I looked like I turned my head whatever way, and I saw yeah. um, Joel Schumacher, and he was having his. It's wow. like, really tall. It's cool, isn't it? I mean, you'd kind of think, because the clientele, clientele that were in that canteen, you'd think the food might have been a little bit better, but it was a bit um, annoying. Yeah. I remember, um, um, sorry, I keep talking about me. I, I, I've gone all Richard Maidley. Um, oh. Well, when Judy and I were at Pinewood's Gym, <laughs> um, I remember um, Anne Wood from Ragdoll took me out on my, on my first day there. It was a bit more successful than my first day at 2D TV where I was splodging in everywhere and getting migraines. Um, she took me for a big fancy. But there is a fancy sort of restaurant at Pinewood's Gym, really? and yeah. she took me and the Ragdoll team out for, for, for lunch. And I remember being starstruck because we were on the table next to the cast of my family who was also being filmed there. So... Um, oh, yeah. There was um, oh I've forgotten her name, uh, I've forgotten all the people that were in my family. Robert Lindsay, who I mentioned on the podcast oh. the other week with Sophie, and oh uh, when when it when a maker when it oh what's her name? Oh, yeah, I know her. Yeah, yeah. Wanamaker, mm. Zoe Wanamaker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was all like, I was trying to listen to what they were saying instead of listening to Anne Wood telling me what my job was going to entail. But yeah, it's very it's very cool to to work at a uh, studio. So. What what came of all that experience then, and all uh, and all and the courses that you did, and all the, all the work you did? How did, how did that develop? It, it 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 was a good experience and a good um, mm. learning curve to know how to persevere, because yeah. what I found out at the end of my um, you know film career is yeah. that um, they they tend to work with people they've already worked with before, mm. um, and it was quite difficult to find work, um, especially in like big film, you know big films um yeah so you know i learned about pers perseverance um and not giving up and being able to change if you need be um yeah. i think it was after was that was that sorry was that joel schumacher just pinging you a message then was that what that no, was? i i i think it's my cousin sorry my phone here <laughs> my phone um um but yeah no but um I, I uh, after the the DVD store collapsed. Um, yeah. Uh, then I was working at B uh, Borders. Um, oh God, Borders! I loved Borders. I miss Borders. Uh, that was so. It, that was so much fun. It was like uh, yeah. five 
four or five years, you know, just it, the the team we had was so fun. Um, yeah. But, um, we met so many, um, or I met quite a few people from publishing, from small publishing companies. Right. Um, so then I made a decision, you know, that the film stuff wasn't working. I wasn't getting yeah. much work. Um, so I kind of like hit that nail on the head. And I, I, I thought, you know, if I'm working in a bookstore, let me try to go back to what I learned at uni about, you know, children. Yeah. Um, so then I, I met one small publisher, um, MX Publishing, um, when I was in, working in the children's department at Borders in Brent Cross, mm. we started chatting and we exchanged email addresses and I ended up illustrating, I think it was four, four small picture books with him. Okay. And that's when I started to really start to, um, you know, I bought a copy of the, 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 um, the, child, the children's writers. Artists. Yes. Everyone gets it wrong. Writers and artists yearbook, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I started to submit, but then I, I was submitting like, you know, willy nearly like just sending like, you know, a, a, a one email to all publishers, agents, you know, and doing all the classic mistakes, um, sending out lots of long emails and, you know, things you don't do. Yes. Um, yeah. Then afterwards, borders shut down. <laughs> they did get uh, one on Oxford Street. I used to love spending yeah. hours in there. I'm sad it left. Yeah, I went to administration and that was like, you know, I was thinking, wait a minute, I've worked in a DVD store and that went into administration. I worked at Borders that went into administration. Um, but, then, but then you did work at Primarni and look at what's happened to that now. So, yeah. you know, you, your magic touch work there. <laughs> Primarni was uh, a wee bit earlier. Um, yeah. That was an experience. But, um, but it was. Yeah. But then after... Yeah, after after borders, it was. Um, uh, I think I, I I had like a moment of like two or three months of looking for work. Um, yeah. Then I then I found I found one job at Love Film, which was you know, a perfect job for me because it entailed watching all the TV and film content that came in from Technicolor and all the studios and just QAing them. Yeah, amazing. Uh, which was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> God, so yeah, that's a, a potted history of your of how you developed to becoming. Um, a top children's book illustrator and author. So that's see, it's uh, the the the, go the ongoing theme with all everyone's stories that I've spoken to. It's hard work. I think it's just yeah. no one landing on their feet. No one that I've spoken to, you know, had had a, you know, mummy or daddy helping them or anything. It's a lot of hard work, isn't it? And and juggling work to make sure that you can pay your rent or your mortgage. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I. I... I was living with my ex at one point, and so I did have rent to pay. Yes, um, but you 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 do have to find that balance, and it's really quite hard if you're not earning enough and yeah. your rent is high, and you're looking for work. Um, and I think that's sometimes maybe I don't know maybe people that start to want to come into the industry forget mm -hmm. or think that oh yeah we're just doing drawings all day and having a happy life, but we are human beings, you know, we've got rent, we've got families, we've got, you know, things to do and stuff like that. Yeah, and you've got, I know, um, on top of everything else that you've got going on, um, you're also a carer for your mum yeah. as well, aren't you? And right, yeah. which, which you do incredibly well at, because when I visit my parents, my mum needs some care now. And um, you, you, how you fit any work in and around those situations, because when you're caring for someone, yeah. you don't know at what time they're going to need you, that you don't know what they're going to need, if there's going to be an emergency, what, what kind of day they're going to have and you have to work around them don't you a lot yeah yeah it's yeah it's it's 
every day is different um, and every situation is different. But uh, like with mum, you know, usually, you know, I wake up at six o'clock and she wakes up at seven and, yeah. we, you know, I get everything ready for her and we get her ready by about 11, 12 o'clock. Yeah. Um, then I can start doing any coloring in, you know, any drawing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then I have to go make her lunch or help or help her make her lunch because she can move around a little bit. Yeah. Um, but because she's got um, she's got one hip removed, yeah, and one hip that's been replaced three times. Right, blimey. Um, and the, the doctor has said the third, this is the third time. It's probably the last time. Um, so she she walks around with crutches. She's just yeah. like a like a Terminator walking around the house. <laughs> <laughs> like this four foot tall Terminator. Oh. Um, so yeah, then so my day is kind of like broken up that way. So if, yeah. if I do have some time, it's probably a good maybe a couple of, couple of hours of doing solid work, but you, usually it's all broken up because then I have to go downstairs and help her do this or she wants to do that or yeah. she wants to you know, active herself. Then, you know, maybe going out for a walk or to go shopping with her and stuff. So I think, I think once you get into a routine of knowing how to do things and you have publishers and agents who are understanding, yes, that helps a lot. And, you know, it's just, I think... It's just knowing what your limits are. And if you have problems with deadlines and things, you know, you can talk to people and say, look, it's going to be a wee bit difficult this time because of this. Absolutely. But, you know, it's, I think. Yeah, I've, I've found definitely when, when life has thrown some tricky times at me, mm-hmm. the best thing to do is yeah, speak to your agent. And then if you're in a meeting with your art director or editor, you can, you're, you're completely allowed to mention what is happening in your life because we are all human. We are not machines. Right. And, uh, you know, the amount of time, you know, it, it's not a holiday. You're not, you're, you don't need more no. time because you're on holiday or anything. Yeah. It's because you need extra time because you've got to fit your working life around real life. And, exactly. and, it's, and it's very, very tricky. So it's best to be upfront and honest as, as soon as you can. You know, if there's yeah. hospital appointments coming up or, or other things, just, just tell your agent and they can sort of soften the blow because the worst thing that can happen is a a book might be put back a couple of months um which you know isn't the end of the world at the end of the day but i know a lot of authors and illustrators panic about that yeah that's true and and from what i've found publishers are always quite accommodating to give you an extra week or so yeah and which is really really helpful and you know and i think once you know that and once you know you can talk to someone and once you get into your um, this is going to get quite philosophical, but once you get into that rhythm of loving what you, you you're doing, like coloring in or drawing, yeah, it kind of like everything else falls away, and you get into that mode, and it just happens, and you know it, it kind of like works out itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think the good thing about fitting um, your time around, if you're caring for your mum or if there's something else going on, it does mean that when you've got your work time, you have to really focus. So it yeah. does make you sit. It, it stops twitter it stops you watching other and listening to other things it's like right this two or three hours is incredibly precious let's get on with it exactly yeah yeah but we let's put let's put studio mate steve on and let's get on with it <laughs> let's procrastinate and watch youtube videos of cats which exactly which you're terrible i mean you are very good i mean you get lots of work done you've got loads going on but you are very very good at posting things online as well very funny things you are you're often sending me very cute yeah. uh, frenchy um dogs and stuff and also i've got um big thanks to you rickon because yeah. you introduced me to on instagram poop word of the day which is one yeah. of my favorite smile inducing um instagram feeds it's brilliant it's called poop word of the day and it's a 
it's very Jim Hensony, actually, isn't it? The toilet roll. It is. It, 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 yeah, it's you. It's a great puppet. Yeah, it's so funny, and the the, the words that he comes out with for <laughs> number twos is just hilarious. You know, you could Very say, funny. So, yeah, yeah, basically, but uh, yeah, so uh, everyone should go onto YouTube and follow Poop Word of the Day. Basically, in a nutshell, <laughs> uh, in a nutshell, that's probably one of the poop words. Um, yeah. In a nutshell, it, uh, it's a it's a talking puppet toilet roll that gives you an alternative way of saying going for a poop every yeah. day, and some of them are absolutely. Hilarious, and we'll stick with you forever. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so I owe you for that. Also, just a quick bit of admin, Rickin, which isn't related to this at all. Um, I think it was last week or the week before I mentioned the Archers, and there was a Geordie uh, actress or character, and I found out it's called, she's called Ruth, and I don't think she is Geordie, and I think that's why her accent is a bit up and down. Anyway, that's nothing to do with this. I just had to say it to because people have been asking. Now we've got some questions, Rick. Okay. The first question is from brilliant author and illustrator Will Mabbitt, who is just one of my favourites. Oh, yeah. Hello, Will. Will says, looking at your pictures always makes me happy. Are you smiling when you draw or is it a more serious process? It's a good question. Um, good question, isn't it? Well done, Will. I, I, I'm always smiling, I think. Um, yes, you are a very smiley person, definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's just because when you're... You know, when you're in love doing something, when you when you're in love drawing or you know just doing something, it's just it just it just happens, you know. So yeah, um, and I'm also I'm not pooping or anything like that because you know <laughs> when you poop you go you go ah you know. <laughs> well, it's a bit like because um, like, from being an animator and also when you're designing things in general, you do. Uh, yeah. There was a time when everyone in, on our animation course bought a mirror because we'd watched a video of someone. I think it was probably Nick Park. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after we'd woken up, um, he had a mirror next to his desk. So everyone's like, everyone go to Boots and buy a mirror. So we all suddenly had mirrors on our desk and we were going frowning, angry, happy, smiling. So it does help to actually look at your own expression. So if you're drawing a smiley character, I think it does help to smile when you're drawing it doesn't it do some acting as well like you know you want to put yourself into that character's shoes or yeah whatever. you're doing that kind of stuff method it's like method illustrating i think yeah so that was good because um will mabbit also makes very funny books as well so um, yeah. when he's drawing his worms i'm sure he's sort yeah. of making wormy sound effects or smiling or i don't know contorting yeah. i don't know what he does uh, now the next one this is a bit of a cheeky one this is from stephen butler i don't know if you know him but he he uh, He's in awe of you because you write so well and you illustrate brilliantly and you've got so much going on in your life. Um, which do you prefer at the moment? Are you in a writing mood? Are you in a drawing mood? How do you do both? And what's your process when you're creating your own book on your own? Um, I, I think I'm mostly in a drawing um, mm. piece, um, area, uh, mind state. Uh, yeah. The, the, the writing usually happens when I create a character or something happens. Yeah. Uh, like quite recently, I found a kitten in my garden uh, in September. Um, oh. I, 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 haven't, I haven't put any photos on Instagram yet. Um, no. Someone just let this kitten go. Um, and we couldn't look after her because she was a kitten. Um, yeah. I don't want to get a cat now. Um, but yeah, I've got like, a short story for her. Uh, I called her Mango, but she's called Margot now because I rehomed her. And, um, oh, and in um, uh, Clapham, uh, Clapham Junction, right? So we're Margot now. Oh, good uh, name, Margot. It's usually with a character or, or drawing first, but um, my writing isn't on, on on par as it should be yet. It still needs some more work. So, 
I think it takes time. It just yeah. when you're when you're trained as an illustrator, you know, I, I think it's it's a bit like there aren't many authors that suddenly can sort of draw characters and be fantastic illustrators. There are quite there's there's quite a lot of I would say like um Louis Stoll and um yeah. Liz Pichon and and people you know um mm -hmm. people that create those sort of diary um uh, diagrammy doodly books. Um mm -hmm. I think they're very good. I think they they sort of go hand in hand with each other that 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 talent of writing with the, that kind of style. But when you're doing yeah full on picture books and everything i think especially yeah. writing a picture book it's so difficult it is it is yeah so difficult and there are so many out there and you just think why am i bothering because it's just so off-putting when you go into a bookshop and see everyone else's work and yeah. but then you've got to go back to yourself and think no what i do is good what i do is worthwhile and i'm really enjoying it and i'm also going to create and i'm going to bung my things on the shelves as well you have to have that positive Exactly. Got to keep positive. You're yeah. a brilliant person to speak about because you've got so much going on, especially caring for your mom. If yeah. you didn't remain positive, we'd just all be sitting around eating yeah. chips, watching telly all day, and that wouldn't get any of us anywhere, would it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, now I want some chips, though, now I've mentioned chips. Now, we're drawing to the close of our R, our hour. Um, so can you tell us, you've sort of hinted a little bit of what you're working on, what are you working on right now, and um, can you give us a hint at what's coming in the future, maybe? For books, I don't mean for the world, because that's probably really depressing. <laughs> so for books, I'm working on three books. Yes. Working on the next The Worst Class in the World series with Joe... Oh, brilliant, with Joe Naden. Yeah, Naden. Um, Joe Naden. Um, Naden, Naden, yeah. Um, I think it's Naden, Naden, Naden. Yeah. Let's say it all. Joe, 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 oh. Naden, Naden. Yeah, Joe. Uh, fabulous, fabulous story, fabulous author. Um, I, I read it a couple of days ago, and I just lulled so much. I think it's the funniest she's written so far. Brilliant. Uh, so I'm just in the roughs for that with Bloomsbury. Um, I'm working on a picture book with with. I can't say anything. I don't. Okay. Um, so right, I'm working on a picture book, um, which is a bonkers story. Yeah. So funny and silly but it's just a joy to work on yeah um, and i'm working on a secret project which i cannot say anything about wow so secretive i like this um i find i did it the other day because I'm, i've worked on something that i can't mention and i'm like i can't believe that i was in asked to do this it was brilliant um but it is irritating when people put on twitter oh just signed an amazing contract or oh you'll never guess what i'm working on it's really irritating as if i was guilty of it a couple of weeks ago when i said um, i was working on a pinch me a pinch me project but um we have to be secretive don't we we have to be up we have to it's it's just part and Possible. We'll get in trouble. We'll get in trouble. Like this person who I'm meeting tomorrow, who's written, uh, written, dear, uh, writing a um, well, well, collaborating properly on a new series of, of fiction titles. And yeah, meeting them for the first time, I'm going to hobble in with my funny thought. Um, so that's quite nerve wracking yeah. as well. But um, yeah, you've got to be slightly secretive sometimes, and then it makes it more exciting when things are announced and things yeah. are in the bookseller and stuff. It's... You have to be like Chief in uh, Chief Inspector Clouseau. You have to be okay. Exactly that. Uh, now, uh, Rickin, where can we find you on the social media? Uh, so I am on Twitter at R1K1N, but I might leave because of what's happening. I'm not sure. I know. What, how, do you, how are you feeling about that? I saw that Nick Sherratt this morning said I'm off. Um, 
I think I'm going to sit. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are going to leave because certain people are being allowed back on the platform. Um, My opinion is at the moment, sit it out. If you just let certain types of people take over Twitter, then it's just going to be horrendous. So sort of stick at it at the moment and sort of balance out the viewpoints. But then if it just turns into a complete right wing nightmare then i might just 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 leave and then i might just not i just stick to instagram and not go on mastodon or anything else because at the moment i can't be bothered but then i might i I don't want my career to go into reverse or decline so no i I think i'm i'm thinking the same i've but i'm on mastodon um you are i am i i I thought i'd nab one before it goes because i remember when i got the twitter one it was like you know oh yeah i've got rick in that twitter of course yeah you've got to get your name on there uh so i'm on that i'm on i'm on instagram um r1k1n underscore p-a-r-e-k-h okay so that, but I mean, if you were to do the whole Googling thing, I'd, I'd, I'd... yeah, you can find you. Have you got link? The best thing to, because you've got a website as well, haven't you? So, um, can you go, can you get links from the website, which is yeah. rickinparek.com? And then if you go to contact, which is what I'm doing now, yeah. it's got your Twitter and Instagram links there. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. And it's got your agent's email. So if you need to do any, um, any, if you want any events with Rickin or you want to do a big draw off, hopefully we'll be invited back to Bath next year to do it. I think we might, we might be. Yeah. It was great, wasn't it? It was so fun. It was so fun. Good fun. Well, thank you so much, Rickin, for taking up an hour of your weekend. I know how busy you are. We've been telling us how busy you are. And I think it's been so interesting to hear about your, your rise to illustration from working at so many different places and all your hard work. I think it's been a brilliant um, episode. So thank you so much for coming along. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate being asked to come on. Anytime. Um, I will speak to you soon. Take care, Rickin. Bye. Bye. Um, so I've just got like a pair of tights and I've just put it around it and just tied it around with some, um, Oh, and then put it in, put it in front of whatever you're speaking into. Yeah. And it like kind of diffuses the, the, the voice. So it's, there's no pops. So I need to get a little circular light and some tights. Yeah. 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 Ah, Now there's something I didn't think I'd be saying on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Me too.